You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Well, I kind of had this video on prayer that was going to kind of lead me into uh, my talking point um, this morning. But I think, again, a lot of us can really resonate with really the need for prayer, um, probably more than ever in our culture right now, just given all of the things that we are facing, the, the difficulties, the challenges, uh, the trying events that have, you know, just unfolded over the last year, you know, even last month, last week, you know, when you look at all of the stuff related to COVID, the racial strife, you know, the 2020 election, the division that's not just only come into cultures, but into churches over face masks, whether to wear them, whether not to wear them. And again, as we kind of confront all of these challenges, we're kind of just left with this um, feeling of, of just being overwhelmed and kind of lost as to how to respond to it all because no one answer, no one approach addresses everything. And we know one solution isn't going to address all of it. And it just seems like more, the more and more the difficulties keep coming at us uh, and we really don't feel like we're ever resolving any of the current ones, you just start kind of feeling like this dogpiling of problems and and issues, and you just start to feel this increasing burden um, of all of it. And again, we're just kind of left in a place where we just kind of feel hopeless, and we feel kind of paralyzed, uh, lost as to what to do, and then oftentimes, we just kind of do nothing. Um, We kind of just, you know, kind of almost sit in kind of a catatonic state and, you know, just don't really do anything. And so um, one of the things that I kind of said a couple of months ago, and again, I just want to reiterate, and I kind of want to build on that this morning. And what I want to kind of do is just lay a foundation this morning where I really kind of want to go for the next um, couple of, of months. And I think that really one of the ways that we can really begin to make a difference, I think one of the ways that we can really begin to enact solutions, oftentimes is just begin local. You know, it's that that saying, all politics is local. It's really beginning to look at where you are right now, where I'm at in the church, where I'm at in my workplace, where I'm at in my home, where I'm at in my relationships. It's beginning to look in those very local, those places of closest proximity, and just begin to ask yourself, what can I do to be a change agent? What are things that I can begin to do or continue to do that will begin and continue to bring a positive change into the environment and the culture? Again, oftentimes our our solutions is we want to begin to look to the top. We want to begin to look at the president or the governor. Uh, We want to begin to kind of look at the top, and we want changes there so that it flows down. And oftentimes, what we really need to be looking at is we need to be looking kind of locally around us and begin to allow the changes to bubble up instead of flowing down. Now, I'm just going to kind of give you an example, and I'm taking a huge risk here this morning because I'm going to kind of use um, an area we don't often talk about or like to talk about in church, which is politics. But I want to kind of give you an example of 
one of the ways that God has really been using uh, pastors, myself, other pastors across the state of Iowa, to begin to make some impacts in some political arenas that you normally wouldn't expect. So for the past couple of years, I have been a part of a organization called the uh, Church Ambassador Network, and it's kind of a umbrella, it's under the umbrella of the family leader, which is headquartered in Des Moines. And my involvement with this organization started about five years ago, and I would go to the Capitol there in Des Moines during the legislative session from January um, through May, or whenever they would end, and I would meet with, encourage, and pray with legislators um, from our area, both sides of the aisles, Democrat, Republican, and they were just legislators that were elected and representing this part of our area here in Iowa. I started going by just um, once a year I went, and it's very intimidating. It's kind of overwhelming when you go to the Capitol um, and you're going to meet with these people. It, it, you, you just feel kind of a little, you know, uh, above your pay grade. Um, but I would start going by once a year, and then I kind of increased it to where I think, you know, the next couple of years I went twice a year. And, and then uh, this past year I went once a month, and, and next year um, I'm kind of, you know, feeling like I want to maybe try to expand that and go twice a month. Uh, and again, the purpose is just to meet with, to encourage, and to pray with um, our legislators. And there are a number of pastors uh, across the state of Iowa, and we represent really a various communities of faith. So, you know, we've got some that are in mainline denominations, some that are independent like us. Um, so it's really kind of a, a broad representation within the faith community. Now, the, the vision and the idea behind the Church Ambassador Network is we are committed to taking the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are allowing it to do its transformative work. You know, Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation. So we believe that when the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is preached, we believe that it has the transformative effect uh, of bringing people um, to a greater level of faith or a greater level of repentance. And we, we believe that that transformative work can be done everywhere throughout the world, including the halls of government. Now we know, right? We know just by looking, by our experience, that the world left to its own devices will never ever fulfill what God created and instituted government to do. Which again, the main purpose of government is to reward good and punish evil. For righteous laws and legislation to pass, for our government to ever have any hopes of trying to restore the rightful role of justice in our culture, it will require, it's necessary for the church of Jesus Christ to bring the great commission to places of government. Now, it, not just limited there, but all across the world, in every sphere uh, of our world, including government. 
Now, now to do this, and, and one of the ways that we're trying to accomplish this is the Church Ambassador Network, it is designed to build relationships. We're, we're, we're being very intentional in building relationships between the shepherds of the church, the pastors, and the shepherds of the government, our, our legislators. That's kind of how we see them. We see pastors representing shepherds of the church, legislators, they are the shepherds of the state. We have a congregation, they kind of in a sense have a congregation in that they're representing, they're bringing leadership, they're, they're, they're making laws and legislations that will affect and impact uh, people uh, all across the state of Iowa. I think over three million people in the state of Iowa. And so we're intentionally trying to bring these two shepherds of the church of the state, we're trying to bring them together and we're working to try to impact them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's kind of the idea. And again, this isn't isn't unique to us. I mean, if you go back in Scripture and, and you look there, you will see that God often used the shepherds of the church, the pastors, the prophets, um, to, to serve as a moral compass and guide to the nations. You know, we look at Moses and his relationship to Pharaoh. You know, let my people go. Uh, God used him to try to bring freedom uh, to the nation of Israel. John the Baptist, you remember, he challenged King uh, Herod. Joseph, he, he rose to second in command with Pharaoh. And God used him to guide the nation of Egypt and the world through famine. Pharaoh couldn't do what needed to be done without Joseph. And Joseph could not do what he needed to do without Pharaoh. Their great representation, shepherd of the church, shepherd of the government, coming together to work together to fulfill, to accomplish the plans and purposes of God. We see Daniel. Look at the role Daniel played with several Babylonian kings. We look at uh, the Reverend uh, John Newton to William Wilberforce, or, or Martin Luther King Jr., look at the role that he played as the shepherd of the church to John F. Kennedy, the shepherd of government. So as pastors, the shepherd of the church, we come together with the shepherds of the state, the legislators, all of them, regardless of their party affiliation, their political point of view, we are there primarily to encourage to share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to pray with them. Now for us, again, the ultimate goal is to lead those who don't know Christ into a relationship with him, those who do know Christ, and we've got legislators in both camps. There are legislators there that are born again, spirit-filled believers, and there are those that are not. So as we meet with all the legislators we try to build up those that are, and we try to lead those that are not into a relationship with Christ. Now, just personally, a couple of weeks ago, I was able to uh, be involved in a dialogue with the Attorney General of the state of Iowa, Tom Miller, Democrat. We don't know where he's at faith-wise. And so, over the last couple of years, we have gradually built a relationship with him. 
At first, he was very, very hesitant to meet with us. He was suspicious, didn't know what our motives were, didn't know what we wanted, and, and we constantly just conveyed to him, we are not here to talk about policy, we're not here to criticize any positions you've taken on certain things. We are here to just encourage you to share the word, to speak the word of God into your life, into your heart, help you to kind of begin to walk that out, to continue to walk that out faithfully, and to pray for you. And so as we kind of developed that relationship, we met with him once, and then you know we, we extended an invitation, we'd like to meet with you again. And the more we met with him, and we just stayed very consistent to what we wanted to do, we're here to share the word, we're here to uh, pray for you, we're here to encourage you, to exhort you. Um, and, and so it, we've gotten to a point now where he has committed to doing this with us six times a year. As a matter of fact, this last time we met with him, he asked us, would you have time to meet with me? There's a hunger, now, now there, there's a hunger down there. They see the problems, folks. They see the problems. They're just as lost at times. They're just as confused. They're struggling just as much as all of us in trying to understand to cope and to figure out what do we do. So we're just simply holding out. We believe that God has a plan of purpose. We believe that God has answers in his word that we can just begin to apply. There, there's just such an openness to this um, right now. So again, we're never there to speak directly to them about politics or policies. We're only there to pray with them, to encourage them. Um, and we uh, will, and at times when it, it, uh, the opportunity presents itself, we will encourage certain policies that reflect the kingdom of God. Now, I'll give you an example uh, of what uh, a really cool thing that God did with that. So again, this is just kind of a bird's eye view. It's a you know, 10,000 foot view of what the church ambassador network um, is all about. Now, I would say one of the greatest challenges that we face in doing what we do, and I think it's probably the part that's the hardest, it's the most intimidating for us, has to do with the culture, the climate, the environment um, of the capital. Now, these last two years, because of COVID, uh, it really has presented some additional challenges, uh, not only with the, with the culture, but just in, in the openness of legislators to meet with us face-to-face. -face. We, we kind of resorted to doing Zoom calls, but as you know, there's, you, you just lose something of a personal touch when you're meeting over a, a screen rather than uh, being able to meet with them face-to-face. -face. So for those that were not willing or comfortable to meet with us face-to-face, -face, we kind of uh, resorted to uh, Zoom calls. So last year, we had really begun to be very, very intentionally focused, um, like a laser beam. We really became very aware of the culture, the climate, the environment of the Capitol. It was very toxic, it was very divisive, it made what we were doing very, very difficult because you're kind of going into the situation, it's a very, very bad situation with really good news. And, and it, there's just, you just feel this clash sometimes of good and evil. Um, and again, it's not any one person, it's, it's just the way that the climate uh, and the culture has evolved 
involved down there. So we really wanted to be very intentional in going in and, and just saying, okay, Holy Spirit, we want you to begin to bring about a good, healthy change in the climate, the culture, the environment of the capital. And um, the reason I want to share this is because I really think there's some very key um, components that, that we can begin to apply, um, not just in your own personal life, but in the life of the church. And so hopefully as I'm kind of sharing, more of that will become uh, apparent to you. So let me just share with you one example. I could get, stand up here and give you, you know, the rest of the morning um, into lunchtime. I could give you example after example of the culture, but I just want to give you one. So as you might know, the Iowa Senate and the House are made up of Republicans and Democrats. 32 Republicans in the Senate, 18 Democrats, 59 Republicans in the House of Representatives, and 41 Democrats. The current governor, as I hope most of you know and are praying for, um, is Republican. So right now, currently, the Republican Party pretty much has complete control of the, the legislature, okay? Uh, the legislative and the executive branches of government. Every legislative session is primarily really made up of legislators who are trying to write policies, write legislation um, that hopefully can make it through the process of debate, uh, of passing, and ultimately they want it to land on the governor's desk and get her signature on it. Now, one of the reasons that this is so significant and, and why I, I'm, I'm pointing out that the power structure currently right now is because the party in power has the greatest chance of getting their particular bills through the process to make it to the governor's desk to be signed, especially if the governor is of the same party as the one in power, which we, we do have. Now, the way this works at the Iowa Capitol and this is what causes the divisiveness and the toxicity in the Capitol, is as long as the Republicans control both chambers and the legislature, or the executive branch, no Democrat legislation, I mean zero Democrat legislation, ever sees the light of day. As long as the Republicans are in power, there is zero chance that a Democrat bill legislation will ever, ever be considered, no matter how good it is. Whatever party is in control, the minority party is completely shut out. Now, before you complain, I just want you to know, the Democrats complain when the Republicans do it, the Republicans complain when the Democrats do it, and both parties do it to each other. Whatever one is in power shuts the other one out. And, and it just creates a, a lot of tension, a lot of division, both parties are guilty of it, and again, it's what makes for a very toxic and divisive environment. Now, to add insult to injury, which they want to do, Okay, this is part of what makes it toxic and divisive is, oh, I see you're down. Well, rather than I'll help you up, let me kick you. And here's what they do. A Democrat could have a very good, strong, it could be very biblical piece of legislation. A Republican sees that, they catch wind of that, they find this white paper is what they call it, and they'll take it, They'll rewrite the bill, they'll change a few words in it, and then they'll put their name on it. 
Oh, that makes him mad. That was my bill. You took my bill. And you just changed a couple words. And you took my name off and put your name on it. And then it gets signed into law and they get the credit. Insult to injury. Democrats do it to Republicans. Republicans do it to Democrats. There's not a one of them that's innocent in this. Now I'll come back to that in a moment. So one of the things those of us who are part of the Church Ambassador Network have been looking at and praying about is how do we begin to bring healthy, good, productive change to the environment, the climate, the culture of the Capitol? How can we get legislators of both parties to work together for the common good? To be able to work together in harmony to be able to work together, even in the midst of tension, to be able to make the state of Iowa the greatest place it can be. So one of the things we discovered early on as we looked at changing culture, particularly the climate of the culture, uh, and, and the Iowa Capitol kind of has its own culture, so you, you can't just take this and just automatically apply it to all different places. There's elements of truth, but again, the culture in, in the Capitol has kind of a unique climate of its own. So one of the things that we began to discover is sociologists have found, and I, I, I'm sorry I don't have this up on the board for you to be a little easier to see, but what sociologists have found is a principle that if 10% of the people set the culture, 10% of the people set the culture, the climate, the environment, and the other 90% will follow, generally. That's the idea. If you wanna bring change to culture, you get 10%, you get them on the same page, you kind of get them moving in the same direction, speaking the same language, you kind of get them coordinated, you get them unified, you get them in harmony, you get those 10% that are dedicated to bringing change to culture, to environment, generally the other 90% will follow. And we see that all the time, right? And we've all been in a room and a certain individual or a group of people enter the room, the atmosphere, the climate, the culture of that room instantly changes, whether it's positive or negative, right? Someone who is positive, they're enthusiastic, they're bubbly, they can walk into a room and they will begin to just infuse that positivity, that, that you know, bubbliness, it, it just, everybody kind of starts to feel the effects of that. Same thing if you take a person who's really negative or they're, they're nasty or, or they're you know, condescending, you know, they bring a negative feel or attitude in the room, everybody feels that. You know, it's that, sense, that, that saying, boy, you could cut the tension with a knife because somebody in that environment is creating tension and everybody in the room feels it. So again, 10% of the people Set the culture, the climate, the environment, the atmosphere, and the other 90% generally kind of just go along, follow along with it. Now, again, we see this Old Testament. Um, we see this principle uh, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, right? I mean, give you a lot of examples, but let me just give you one. I mean, you look at a king and, and his administration. 
what, whatever, however that king led, whatever that king did, it, it influenced that culture. So if you had a godly, you had a righteous, a good king and administration, generally the whole nation kind of reflected godliness, goodness, righteousness. It was, you know, God's blessings were there. But you take a, a wicked king, Someone, you know, who was a pagan, who, who comes in and institutes, uh, you know, pagan worship, his administration, and you got the rest of, you know, 90% of the nation of Israel, they kind of just went along with him. And so again, we see that where that 10%, when they're unified, when they're uh, in, in uh, agreement, where they're, where they're being uh, deliberate, where they're being, again, intentional, that 10% sets the culture, the environment, the climate, and the other 90% just generally kind of fall in place. So we looked at this principle, and we concluded if this is true, 10% set the culture, the climate, the environment, the rest generally follow. Then for us to change the culture, the climate, the environment of the capital, we had to find at least 10% of the legislators that we would begin to identify and we would begin to call out and we would begin to share with them this principle. If they would be willing to intentionally become a good, healthy, positive, godly influence that we believed that, that probably it, it would begin to um, infuse into the capital and eventually the other 90 would kind of just follow their lead. So out of the 150 legislators in both the House and Senate, we began to just strategically identify people that we believed were already doing this and people who had the potential to be a part of that 10%. And we began to share with them what we were trying to do in bringing change to the culture, the atmosphere, the environment of the capital. Now, one of the main characteristics that stood out to us, that if we were gonna do this, particularly in the capital, because again, it has its own unique culture, just like our church, it, we have our own unique culture here, that we would um, have to begin to help them differentiate between unhealthy conflict and positive conflict. I mean, just the way that the legislators, legislation is set up, it's just, it's automatic gonna have tension, right? I mean, you're dealing with people who have very passionate beliefs about issues and they're oftentimes diametrically opposed. So it, it just, it's kind of built in, conflict is built into that very culture. So. One of the ways we, we knew that we had to be intentional is we had to begin to teach people how do you have healthy conflict versus unhealthy conflict. Um, because again, it, it, conflict is a natural component in, in relationships, right? Wasn't it Jesus who said, wherever two or more are gathered together, there's gonna be conflict, right? Something like that, no. <laughs> but I mean, we see this not just in the capital. I mean, you get any two people together. I mean, just think about your own relationships, whether it's your spouse, whether it's friends, whether it's coworkers. I mean, just think about your personal relationships, no matter how much you have in common with them. I mean, no matter how much you kind of just feel like, you know, man, this is, this is just my BFF, my best friend forever. I mean, we are so compatible. We, we have so much in common. We love doing the same things. At some point in that relationship, there's gonna be conflict, right? 
the difference whether that relationship grows or dies really kind of comes down to unhealthy conflict or healthy conflict. If you choose unhealthy conflict, chances are that relationship's not going to survive. If, if you have ways of dealing with that conflict in healthy ways, chances are that friendship is going to survive and thrive. That's why so many marriages die. The couples don't know how or they're not interested in learning how to navigate conflict in healthy, positive ways. So it was our hope, it was kind of our belief that as 10% of the legislators that, again, we identified that we thought had the potential to do this, and if they would come into agreement, agree to work with us uh, in, in engaging conflict in healthy, good ways, we felt that that, that would lead to fruitful discussions, which you, you need to have in debate. you got to have healthy ways of resolving your conflict. And when you do that, what that does is it gives birth to fruitful discussions. And once fruitful discussions are happening, deeper things are going to occur. It's that way even in, in, in relationships. When you have healthy conflict, ways of resolving conflict in healthy ways in your marriage and your friendships, what it does is it opens up doors to have fruitful conversations. And then deeper things happen. We recognize this same thing here. Just as when there's unhealthy conflicts, again, it often leads to you know, conflicts, arguments, anger, bitterness, division, distance, isolation, breakdown of relationships, and we were seeing that all over the Capitol. So we were looking for at least 10%, we were going to start there, we're going to look for at least 10% of the legislators who were willing to learn and engage in healthy conflict as a way of changing the toxic negative culture. Now, our role as pastors was fourfold. We would work with the 10% in these four ways. First way was encourage. We were constantly meeting with the legislators, uh, either in person, over Zoom, and we were encouraging them. We would find out how, how are things going, and then we would always find a way to encourage them. If things were negative, we looked for positive ways to encourage them. If things were really going well, we looked for ways to encourage them to build on their success. So we were always encouraging them. One of the things that we intentionally did this year was we don't do emails uh, to legislators anymore. Remember there was a time when um, everybody wrote their legislators and then email came in. And then we were told, oh yeah, the, the legislators, they, they never look at the, at the uh, written mail now. The best way to get to them and to communicate with them is email. That has completely flipped now. Everybody's emailing them. We've got all these people, you just copy and paste your email. So they, they get thousands and thousands and thousands of emails, um, but very few handwritten notes. They really take notice of handwritten notes. So we, we started working with that. So one of the ways we encourage them is we, we're handwriting notes. Um, and I'm on, I'm pretty much on every legislator's um, 
they'll send out like a weekly report of what they're doing. I always find something in there to say, man, I really appreciate you doing this. And just find something. Uh, no matter how much I may disagree with their policies, uh, I always find something to lift them up and to encourage them. That's number one. Number two is to exhort them. Every time we meet face to face with them, we're sharing a scripture. When we'll, we'll ask for permission. Can, would you mind if I just took a, just a few moments and shared a scripture with you? I've never yet had one of them say no. And we'll just simply share a very short scripture um, and we'll just kind of give them an exhortation on that. Um, this is what it means. So when we met with, with Tom Miller a couple of weeks ago, we did Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, not of faith, lest any man should boast. And, and what we did was we just began to break that down. Here's what that means. We could just feel a, a great receptivity. And then at the very end of the conversation, I got to pray for him. And, and just prayed that, that God would begin to bring fruit into his life based on that scripture. So that's what we do when, when we um, are exhorting them. The Bible is one of the best books on healthy conflict. So we would just often exhort them using scriptures. Don't gossip. We would say, man, if you, if you have uh, a disagreement with your brother or your sister or, or another legislator, don't go to her or him. Go directly to her. Love your enemies. Pray for those that you feel are persecuting you. Don't judge. Things like that. These are the kinds of teachings that we would just begin to exhort them um, in, in bringing um, that change. So over the course of... Um, so we encourage and exhort them. Now, I'm kind of running out of time, so I'm, I'm going to skip down to the third one. Third role... Um, was to challenge and to correct when necessary. Now, I'm just gonna be really honest with you as it is with all of us. Encouraging and exhorting people is a whole lot easier and safer than challenging and bringing correction. But it is just as necessary, if not more crucial, to be able to be challenged and to be corrected as it is to bring challenge and to correct others if you're gonna have healthy relationships, okay? So over the course of time, one of the legislators, we had identified that we had invited in, he had agreed to be part of that 10%, we started to notice a change in his attitude. And he started becoming very, very bitter and divisive against the other party. Now it's important to understand that one of the many divisive issues in the Capitol this past year as it has been everywhere we go uh, in our culture today had to do with COVID and the use of masks, a face mask. By and large, all the Democrats wore face masks and the majority of Republicans didn't. So this turned into accusations of Republicans not caring about the welfare of others. And so Democrats refused to talk to Republicans. They wouldn't deal with uh, Republicans if they were going to wear face masks. Republicans took the attitude, if you're going to wear a face mask, I'm not dealing with you. I'm not talking uh, to you. And it just evolved into this very divisive, very nasty, very negative culture in both chambers. As a matter of fact, it got so bad that we pastors were told that the Democrats would no longer come out to meet with us. Um, so we, we saw how this was just impacting every 
everything, every level of relationship, and it was starting to destroy everything that we had worked so hard to build. So this particular legislator, again, part of the 10%, uh, a Christian as well, started to become very, very bitter toward the other party and started saying things like, I will never work with another Democrat in my life. I, I, I don't want nothing to do with him. And not only was he saying this, but he was going to other fellow legislators of his party and he was poisoning them with that same kind of rhetoric. And again, this guy was a born again, spirit filled Christian. Well, luckily, one of the people on our care team had a very, very good relationship with this particular legislator. They had been meeting together for several years. They had become very, very close. When he caught wind of what was happening, what was going on, he went and got in this legislator's face. And he said, brother, what you're doing is sin. What you are doing is sin and you need to repent. We are called to love our enemies. We are called to pray for those who persecute us. The Bible says that, that if we're just gonna love those that love us, we're no better than a pagan. I mean, he got in this guy's face and he dressed him down biblically. Well, luckily, this legislator, this man, recognized what he was doing and he repented. And not only did he repent, but he went and he repented to every other legislator he had gone to um, and poisoned. So uh, again, this is, uh, um, this is so important because the role of challenging and correcting is very, very critical. As a matter of fact, you're not gonna, have, you're not gonna get anywhere uh, if you don't, uh, aren't able to be corrected, to be challenged, as well as to correct and to challenge others. Um, so again, uh, we felt like this was a very, very important one. The fourth one, um, the, the role that we felt like was, was recruiting from the outside. And so basically what, what every party has is they have people who are out there kind of canvassing and they're looking for other people that they can encourage to run for office. So every party has kind of a criterion. So they may say, well, well, you know, we're looking for people who are, and they'll kind of list out the criterion. What we wanted to do is we wanted to begin to encourage them. What we want you to begin to look for, first and foremost, are people who could be a part of the 10%. We don't care what other skills they have. We don't care what other qualifications they may have. We want you to begin to commit to looking for people who are willing to come and to be, to embrace, and to walk out this, this 10% um, that we're calling to. So kind of going back to um, uh, what I started with at the beginning of this legislative year, January 2021, we became aware of a piece of legislation that had been written by a Democratic legislator, and it was regarding justice reform. And as we looked at this, it was so well written. We felt like it really, really reflected very strong biblical values, and we felt like this was something worthy that needed to be talked about, discussed, uh, voted on. We felt like it was something that really had the potential to be signed into law and really impact our state in, in a great um, way. Sometime maybe I'll, I'll, I'll be able to share that um, with you. Now remember what happens, what I told you earlier, why I shared with you what I shared with you. What happens in this particular climate, culture, environment, when a Democrat writes a really good piece of legislation, it goes nowhere. It's dead on arrival. Republicans aren't interested in anything the Democrats have to offer. 
So again, we're trying to change the culture, the climate, the environment. We're trying to get the two parties to work together whenever possible. So one of our team members became aware of this piece of legislation, and this particular pastor on our team does something very strategic. Here's what he does. He goes to the Democrat legislator who wrote that and said, I'm aware of a piece of legislation you wrote on criminal justice reform. I'd like to see it. She gave it to him, he read it, he said, I think this is outstanding. With your permission, I would like to take this and see what I could do with it, and she agreed. So he went, and very, very strategically, he went to one of the 10%, one of the legislators who was committed to working to bring change to the culture, the climate, the environment of the Capitol. And that pastor went and said, this was written by a Democrat legislator. We think it is a great piece of legislation. Would you be willing to look at it? And if you like it, would you, would you be willing to work with her to work this through the, the process, the system of the le legislation? And, and this particular legislator, part of the 10%, said yes. And he did. He started sharing that with other Republicans, they did not take it, they did not change it, they did not remove her name, they worked together with her. And what we noticed, this hadn't been done in years. Again, if you're in power, the minority power, the party shut out. We were taking, we were trying to flip that upside down. And it began to change the culture, the climate, the environment, in the Capitol. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, we were able to invite this legislator on a Zoom call with pastors um, in, in our group. She had never, ever been willing to come on, been invited multiple times, declined every time because she was suspicious. Am, am I just going to get on here and be berated? Am I going to be told I need to repent? Am I going to be criticized? She didn't know what to expect. She didn't, didn't trust us. We started to build a little trust with her in what we did. And, and we invited her on, and we had a great conversation. Again, we started by saying, can we, can we just share a scripture verse with you? And she said, yeah, I don't think, think that would be a problem. Shared the scripture with her. She brought up, we didn't, she brought up how much she appreciated what we did to help her. The very end of the conversation, we always end it with saying, can we pray for you? How can we pray for you? And she said, yeah, you can pray for me. Just keep it short. <laughs> so we did. We did. We kept it short. We prayed with her. We encouraged her. We exhorted her. Now, is, is that going to change everything? No, it's not. But it's a start in the right direction. Because at least 10% of the legislators that were there were willing and committed to leading in a more biblical, a more godly, a more healthy way. They were willing to learn new ways of engaging in healthy conflict so that when it was unhealthy, they have the tools, the means to take that and to make it a healthy conflict. 
working with those who disagree with you to find common ground, having fruitful, productive discussions, because again, when you're having healthy conflict, it leads to fruitful discussion, and deeper things begin to happen. Now, I share all of that with you because I think this also has some very practical applications for the church, and this is where we're going to go for the next several weeks, couple months, however long I feel that the Spirit leads us uh, in that direction. Um, because uh, would have been a week ago Tuesday, I think, our, our team of uh, pastors had the chance to sit down for several hours uh, together, and we were reflecting on what happened, what we were seeing, what we were learning, what we needed to tweak, what we needed to change to do uh, differently uh, next year. And at some point, the conversation turned to our churches, because we're all pastors, we're all pastoring uh, churches. And as I thought about this whole thing, this whole principle, you know what my first thought was? I want to be a part of the 10%. I'm not a legislator, I'm a pastor, but I, I wanna be a part of the 10% that is committed to learning ways of having healthy conflict. That when I'm in unhealthy conflict with people, that I've got the tools, the means, the knowledge, whatever, the discernment, the wisdom, the spirit of God, the love of God in me, that I can take any kind of an unhealthy conflict and begin to infuse healthy conflicts in it, to open the door to fruitful discussions, because in that, deeper things will happen. That I'm one of these 10%, I'm committed to encouraging, to exhorting. As a, 10, a part of the 10%, I'm willing to be challenged, I'm willing to be corrected, as well as be used of God to bring correction and challenge to others when necessary. I want to be a part of that 10%. I want to begin to, to bring change, healthy, positive, godly, righteous change to our culture. I don't want to be a part of the 90% that's following the 10% that are leading in very unhealthy, unbiblical, ungodly ways, and we're seeing the fruit of that in our culture. So as I looked at this, my personal application was I am committed to being part of the 10%. And here's what else I'm committed to. I am committed to begin to strategically, intentionally begin to look for, and I'm gonna to begin to identify and call out the other 10%, at least 10% in this congregation. And I'm gonna ask you to join me. Can we begin to bring change to the climate, the culture, the environment of our church, and believe that that's gonna to begin to ripple out into the climate, the culture, the environment of our city, and then into our county, and into our state. Again, all politics is local. Let's start at the bottom. Let's start where we are. Let's bubble it up, rather than looking for it to trickle down. Let's be the change that we need to be in our culture. So we're gonna to begin to kind of look at uh, ways that we can do that. Um, so let me just close with this. I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning if you're really interested in this. We were asked as part of the Church Ambassador Network to engage our churches in a legislator thank you campaign. So what they're asking us to do as a congregation is we have nine, I have nine people that I kind of um, am developing 
relationships that I, I visit when I go to the Capitol, and they're all in our area, Republicans and Democrats, and we have thank you cards. I've got them all attached to a sheet of paper that just clearly tells you how to do this, but what we're asking you to do is just to take a card. What I would like to challenge each of you to do, because here's, here's my what, what I would gravitate towards, is I would probably look for the person that's most like me, that thinks like me, you know, just because that's gonna be a little easier to do. But I wanna encourage you to take a, a card, and I want you to do it from both parties. Because the one that maybe you have the, maybe the greater distance or disagreement with, where you would find yourself maybe further uh, where they are on certain issues, it's just a great opportunity to be the Good Samaritan. It's just a good opportunity to learn how to love your neighbor. And no matter how much you may disagree with this particular person, just asking the Holy Spirit as you pray for them, God, what would you have to say to this particular legislator that maybe I don't even agree with or maybe you don't even like, I don't know. But just saying, Holy Spirit, what, how would you like to encourage this person through me? What, what could I say to them that would be an encouragement to them uh, in, in what they're doing? So just take some time and pray for them. And ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything that a scripture, is, is there anything that I could say that would be an encouragement to them? And we just want you to thank them. They're, they're not doing this for the money. There's, there's not a lot of pay in being a legislator. They're doing it for other reasons, but I assure you they're not doing it for the money. And so again, it may just be thank you for the sacrifice of your time. Thank you. I mean, it, it, it can just be an acknowledgement of something very, very simple. But we're just taking the opportunity again to build relationships. We're taking the opportunity to begin to bring change in the environment, the culture, uh, the climate um, of the capital. And again, it's not just one approach. It's a multi-tiered approach that we're using to try to bring change um, in our capital. Because you know what? When you begin to get legislators that are, that are starting to lead in healthy, biblical, godly ways, do you know who benefits from that? We do. We do. There's a lot at stake in this. And so we're going to begin to look at just ways that we can begin to encourage. Karen and I, uh, Campbell and I, are looking at, you know, kind of firing back up where we started serving our, our community leaders. Uh, we, we went and took coffee and donuts. Some of them we took, uh, and we, we took meals we, uh, to them just as a, a way of saying, thank you for your service. Thank you for doing what you do. We acknowledge the, you know, oftentimes the public can be a very difficult uh, client uh, to work with sometimes, uh, some more than others, but we just take that opportunity to say thank you for doing what you do. Without you, uh, you know, things would be chaotic and messy, but we just thank you for being uh, there, for serving, um, and, and again, we just, we see the change that that begins to bring us. So we want to begin to be very intentional, very strategic in how we begin to bring change into the climate, the culture, the environment of our city, but it begins here with us. And so what I'm encouraging you to do is Karen's going to be out in the entryway here, and then if we could just, once everybody's out, just I would filter down to the Praise Cafe. And again, I'm just encouraging you to just take two cards and just, you know, uh, one of each party 
pray for those people, and then just write a thank you card. Like I said, instructions are there. We don't, we're not there to criticize them on any policy or uh, how you disagree. We're not there to, you know, to ask them for things. We're just there to simply say thank you. So if you'll do that, take that, and then just get that mailed out um, by the end of this week. They are still in session, so they will receive that. Uh, we are, I, I get told by uh, legislators how much that means to them when they get actual mail in their mailbox. Uh, the handwritten sentiments. It means the world um, to them. So uh, we're just kind of uh, asking you to be a part of, of that encouraging uh, team um, this morning. Uh, so let's just stand uh, together. Um, Callie, let's not worry about closing with worship this morning since your screens are kind of uh, uh, down and out. We'll, we'll, I'm just, we're just going to kind of end with a, a prayer here this morning. I feel like we've got some good application here this morning. At least I hope uh, you've got some good application from this. I, I, don't, you know, I don't like talking about politics, but I felt like what I've been doing, I really felt like was important for you to understand and, and to know what we're doing um, and how I believe that that really is a, a part of uh, what God uh, wants to do here in the church. Father, we just again thank you so much for the many ways that you're moving. Father, we thank you for the ways that you're moving in, um, in our, our uh, church, Father, in our individual lives. Again, Father, for the ways that you're moving in our city, for the ways that you're moving in our state, Father, we thank you for that. Lord, we just ask, Lord, just for a greater measure of your favor, of your goodness, of your kindness, of your mercy, of your grace and your love, God, to just begin to flow into every sphere over our church, over our city, over our state, over our legislator, our legislation, our uh, legislators, Father, we just ask that you would be at work in great and mighty ways there, Father. Lord, I pray as we just take that step, Lord, maybe in feeling that connection to wanting to be a part of the 10%. Maybe their reaction is mine, is, is, is there may be those here this morning, their hearts are saying, I want to be a part of that 10%. That I will commit myself to being an encourager, an exhorter, that I will, will accept being corrected and challenged as well as being able to challenge and to correct. Father, that I would be willing to learn and to continue to grow in, in learning ways of dealing with conflict in healthy, godly, and productive ways, even with those I may disagree with, that you, that you, God, can make a way where there is no way, that, God, you can make a highway in the desert, that, God, you can cause rivers to run in the desert, we believe that you can do the impossible, the unthinkable, the unimaginable. And God, we just, we appeal to that this morning. And we want to be a part of that 10%, God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would move in and through us, that God, we would begin to impact and to change our culture, the climate, the environment of everything that we're involved in. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just give us divine strategies. Father, we pray for, from your Holy Spirit, God, that you would begin to birth plans 
and purposes in our hearts, God, of things that we can do to begin to, to be an effective part of that 10%. So Father, we just thank you because Jesus modeled this. And he did it with 12 guys, even though one of them was a Judas. It didn't stop you. It didn't derail you. You were able to do exactly what you needed to do with just a small group. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would just begin to connect, that you would begin to unify, that you would begin to bring together the 10% of this church. And, Father, we thank you, Lord, that as we look to you, as we trust you and acknowledge you in all of our ways, God, that you will make our path straight and you will begin to bring your change, your plans and your purposes to bear upon us, upon this church, our city, our county, and our state, Father. And we thank you for those plans and purposes you have already set in place. And so we just say together here, amen, amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.